Hi, I'm Pat Foran. Welcome to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap, a podcast for working indie artists, aspiring music artists, and fans. Each week, I interview a different guest who has a proven track record in the biz or related field. I talk with producers, promoters, audio engineers, managers, songwriters, bands, social media experts, veteran and novice artists too, about their experiences and recommendations. I'll get answers to some of the hows and whys of today's music business, which you will find invaluable in navigating the chaotic world of today's music industry. Today's guest is Isabella Badoya. She has worked as a successful A&R rep, head of A&R at a Sony music company, and is now founder of Fame Hackers, where she helps artists and music influencers monetize their fan base. Hello, hello. Hi. Hey, you hear me Hi. well? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Um, well, so glad to have you uh, on on my podcast episode, and um, we're we're doing um, get labeled indie music roadmap. And today's guest is Isabella Bedoya, who I met uh, recently. And um, I, what intrigued me about Isabella was her her new project. Uh, it's called um, Fame Hackers, and um, well, it's new to me. I should say I'm not sure how. You can, I'll let you explain all that, but um, yeah, I think it's something that's um, that I've been trying to figure out and it looks like you may have uh, a lot of the answers uh, as you, you, um, you have a unique uh, skill set um, because you were, you worked in A&R at Sony, right? It was a label under Sony, yeah. Okay. And you were actually head of the, or at one point were head of the of that department that you worked in. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so how, how did you, um, how did you get into A and R and, you know, and then how did you have some doors open for you? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Pat, for inviting me. Um, sure. So yeah, how, I mean, my story is really unique just because I took a really creative approach from the very beginning. Um, the way that I even became an A and R I, like, I didn't even know that that was a thing, um, <laughs> which is so interesting. But when I was really young, I used to, like, essentially discover artists, right? I would create these CDs for my friends and burn CDs and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and I didn't really know that that was a career path. So I knew that I wanted to be in music. And at the time, my skill set was to cook. So I decided to become a private chef and then figure out a back door into the industry. So that's pretty much what I did. I became a private chef. I uh, moved to LA thanks to that. I moved with like a private chef job and right off the bat, I was like in a really, I was like in a really lucky, I don't want to say lucky, but it was a very opportunistic scenario because all the people that I'm surrounding myself with, all the, the friends and the guests and stuff, stuff like that, they all happen to be somehow related to like the entertainment industry. So I decided to put myself out there. Um, I started networking. I met, people in the music industry and one thing led to another and then for me it all happened based off connections where I was doing like basic essentially A&R work for a studio for like no pay nothing it was just like commissions only if anything and that slowly led um led up to meeting the right people and the right studio and the right labels and um and that's pretty much how I started 
that's pretty much my like entry point into the music industry. Um, and once I, I got that job, I, I didn't like let it go because then I decided to become obsessed about it. Right. So every opportunity that I would have, I would go to like I would go to all the events that they would put on. I would go to like every opportunity that I had to be around the producers, around the team, around the other um, interns, whatever it was. I would be there. Even if I had nothing to do, I would be there. And that's what led me to then. Um, one day the owner, he came up to me and he was like, you know what, you're going to be the head of A&R. You can have your own intern team. And that's exactly what I did. Then I went on oh. and I hired my own team of interns. So it's a really interesting, like, like big circle of how I even um, got that job. Yeah. So people like I, I network a lot. I mean, I've networked for years. Um, and I'm, I was constantly, you know, before the pandemic, I was constantly getting out, going wherever it took me, whoever I could meet and network. And a lot of it's, a lot of times, you know, I didn't get paid. I would get tips, you know, to perform, but I was performing original music. Um, so my point being is that you, you did a lot of networking, but it's not just networking, right? It's immersing yourself into the happening where whatever's happening that night, because that's where the opportunities are, right? Yes. You never know who you're going to meet. Um, and it's just like always showing up. You never like you really. And I think that like even going back to like uh, my childhood, I, I had this like fear of FOMO. Like I had a really intense FOMO. So like my senior year of high school, I remember being like, I don't want to miss a single day, not because of school. Like I don't, not because like of the actual schooling, but all these, there's always all these like little stories happening of like something happened to so-and-so or whatever. So I carried that along with me to like through today where it's just like that FOMO of like one small thing could be the catalyst for like this lifelong dream of yours. Yeah. So I mean, we kind of glossed over your initial uh, career was I became a private chef. I mean, that's no small <laughs> undertaking in itself, right? I mean, that is a whole, I mean, how did, how long did it take you to um, get, get in, into um, the industry or even think that you wanted to do it privately? So um, that's also a really good question. So I went to um, college for pre-med and my last like two years I was like I don't want to be a doctor I actually want to like I started I don't know for some reason I started becoming really um attuned to like the idea of like well I could cook for a living I could be a private chef because I don't want to be like a restaurant chef either and yeah. it was always like having that little bit of like freedom and flexibility and creativity so it was like all right well I couldn't do music I definitely don't want to be a doctor so um private chef or like being a chef was like my next goal so I started cooking for friends um I mean this this idea of being a private chef started like in 2012 or 2013 and I was like all right I'm gonna do this and I started learning I started watching shows I ended up doing again another out-of-the-box idea instead of going to like culinary school um I ended up graduating with a degree in like food and nutrition science so I swapped majors and then instead of going to culinary school, what I did is I would work, I would work like two or three restaurant jobs at a time and I would just swap them out every three months. So for like three months, it would be like Italian, an Italian restaurant and I would learn everything that I could. And then 
Um, at the same time, I would be working at like an American restaurant or something. So my schedule was always so packed with work and it was the most draining and tiring time of my life. I don't think I could ever do this <laughs> ever <imagine>. again. <laughs> but, um, but I was like, I put myself through basically like an accelerator because the best way to learn is just to like do it. Right. So yeah. if you're learning from like other chefs and like other restaurants around town and, and other cooks and stuff like that that's way more valuable than like going to like a culinary school or a culinary institute. Um, so then fast forward to like 2015, I couldn't get a job anywhere, graduated college, can't find a job anywhere. And um, I decided to start my little like meal lunch program for residents around in my area. And then somehow like I was posting all over social media, I was getting like traction. This was when Facebook was like super amazing for like organic growth. And a family found me like in Beverly Hills and they were like, Hey, we see that you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And we started talking and like, it was one of those things where like, before I even realized what was happening, I had like two weeks to like shut down my little hobby, uh, essentially my little hobby, like operations that I started as a, as a, as a chef down here. And I had two weeks to move across the country into someone's home that I don't even know who they are, but it was just a leap of faith of like, I want to be in music and I know I need to move to LA and I don't know any other way to like actually make that move. Cause moving to LA is super difficult. It's like super expensive. And when you don't really know like the city or, or have a lot of like financial backing, it can be a really daunting challenge. Oh, sure. So just having like that, like as a landing platform for me, it was absolutely like amazing. Yeah. That's it's a, well, it's a, the entertainment industry um is vast there right because you have all tv movies uh, music uh, music related to the tv movies sync placements things like that um yeah that's so i mean how many years was that let's see since you were you were studying pre-med you changed you became uh, a personal chef for the first time um moving to la and then um you you gradually got your foothold into uh, social, into um, the music industry, doing social media. Is that what you said? So no. So or that well, was yeah, part kind of, the, of the job. Yeah, kind of social media was part of the job. I, my first role in the music industry was like early 2016. Um, okay. And then I worked for this label. It was called trend Def, and they worked with like a lot of like up and coming rappers Um a lot of the like they, it was when they were first like coming up it was like rich the kid and famous dex and, and a bunch of uh talent like that and i would like i worked with them for like about a year year and a half or so and then um from there i realized like i realized that i didn't really want to work for i didn't really want to work in like a major label setting i wanted to work more in like i wanted to help more independent artists and i realized that there was i saw that there was a lot of like um not, not with them in particular, but like I realized in the industry, I started learning the industry and I started learning from like just seeing other people or other artists or even other like artists that became friends, seeing like their experiences on on like as soon as you sign a contract, it's not just about the team that you're signing on. It's like, well, you can also there's risks, you know, you can get shelved. You might not have yeah. the the promises that they give you, the marketing budget. And when you're like young and coming up as an artist, you don't really have that education. And I remember when I was working with the team at Trend F, I learned one of the things that they taught me and I'm forever grateful for 
was social media and they were and uh and I remember they were like look in order for like an artist to even be like considered someone like like uh not worthy but like someone that you would want to like that would attract your attention they taught me like things to look for within their social media platforms and and that that's true at the end of the day like you don't really want to work with an artist that doesn't have a real following because that's what turns in the revenue right mm -hmm. so that was one of the biggest things of like just learning how social media actually works and it's not just like the vanity met, met uh metrics or like factors of like you know if you have 100k followers and you're amazing but in reality 100k followers when they're not real and organic that is like almost of as bad if not even worse because that is you know how you do one thing is how you do everything so um so yeah I'm that was one of the biggest things that they taught me was social media. And um, so how long, how long was that um, since you left college, since you graduated? That so was that about, um, that was about like eight months after I left college. And then, and then uh, uh, you're doing a, you're a private chef at the same time. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. I was a private chef. Culinary was something that like, it always sustained me because it was like super flexible and it, and um and it's still because LA is super expensive. So in LA, like you have to have at least two jobs at all times. I hear. So <laughs> yeah. So being a private chef, it was one of those things where like I could just be a private chef if I wanted to, and that's it. But um, but for me, it was more than just like the money, right? It was always like, all right, well, how can I actually make a difference in music? And that's why I always held on to private chef. So I wasn't just struggling, like surviving off of like music salaries. And then how long was it until you were able to um, just do music? So that was in 2018. Um, so 2018. Like three years? So like three years, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I'm getting at is that's an incredible, <laughs> you're, you're doing some incredible things in a short time. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, that's, you know, but I, so with that, I'm pointing out that you're setting goals and you're executing, you're seeing things through. And somebody said, you know, you were offered a job in California and you didn't say, well, I don't know if I want to live in California and blah, blah. You just saw it as an opportunity. And as a matter of fact, the, the perfect opportunity because of your further endeavors. Right. So um, you didn't hesitate. Right. I mean, you just, so that's, that's the point I'm trying to get at. It's that a lot of times people, you know, myself included, like we're like, oh, it'd be nice to, you know, record this song with strings or something. And well, now I have to find a string section. So, um, you're, you're, you know, a lot of my career was getting caught between, um, you know, not having the funds to execute my recordings, my demos, especially early on. And that kind of cost me an earlier career, um, though I didn't know it at the time because I just felt like I could do it at any time. So you could say you could have said, oh, well, um, yeah, I want to be a private chef. And, you know, let me call you back next year, you know, and see if see if that position's still open. Maybe we can do something then. I mean, you just you know what I mean? You act on it. That's I think that's a critical trait or a practice, you know, and that's what, and what you're doing. And um, so, you know, um, so how you went into, um, so where were you offered the um, head of A&R 
he said it was for uh, this is after this um, rap um, and hip hop label, right? That was at, no, that was at Trend F because then oh, I was started bringing okay. in my own interns to Trend F and it oh, was cool. like, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Um, but yeah, just to comment on what you said, you know, it's something that I always, that I always say and I always live by and I didn't realize that I, this is what I was doing, but you just have to embrace it and take messy action because I don't know, like I didn't even know, I didn't even put on a balance all of the things that could have gone wrong or could have gone right. Um, yeah. But one thing my mom always said, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing my mom always said was like, you know, always say yes and then figure out how later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what one of my um, my early uh, music teachers said. Well, music industry teachers, I should say, or coach uh, from New York. Um, that was her that was her thing. Always say yes. Yeah. And then figure it out later. <laughs> yeah. Because people like I said, people always ask me, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I'm like, well, I was told not to say no. <laughs> like just you know you don't know and i had so i've had so many other opportunities side opportunities happen um crazy things you know just like out of the blue oh you know do you need to make some money uh yeah well we have a gig coming up and you know you could play this and all of a sudden you know you're a few hundred dollars uh in the bag you know um that you weren't expecting Absolutely. so so and other times you you um hack and hack and hack and um, beat down the door and nothing happens, you know, or you find, you know, the door opens and you find it goes nowhere. Exactly. And maybe you spent a year or two trying to cultivate that, you know? So, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not without risk, like you're, like you mentioned, but, um, okay. So, um, <laughs> how about, um, so what did you find? I mean, you found, that you didn't want to work for a major label or that's what you were thinking. And, um, but what else did you find? What were some of the things that um, you, you already mentioned some, but let's um, go back over that um, social media. That's, that's what you're doing now, right? You're focusing on um, fame hackers yes. and maybe you could explain a little bit about that. Um, what, what is that? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, one of the biggest things that I discovered, which led me to create fame hackers is essentially as long as you understand digital marketing, social media marketing, as long as you understand how to like, um, actually cultivate a real engaged fan base on social media, all you really have to do then is create offers so you can monetize your fan base. So I decided to come up with, um, fame hackers, which is an acronym of foundation, audience, monetization, and exposure. Because as long as you have the right foundation as an artist, as long as you know who you are, the message you want to put out to the world, um, what your music is about and all of that, then you can actually create a, a culture that will attract the right audience. And when you're attracting the right audience, you're attracting the right fans. There's a, I mean, this is not like even a theory anymore. It's, it's a fact. As long as you have a thousand loyal fans that invest at least a hundred dollars into your music, the, um, whatever it is, merch, tickets, live show live streams whatever it is as long as they, they invest a hundred dollars a year that's a hundred k in revenue and it became this like it's probably one of the most talked about theories but as a matter of fact it is a fact and it's a numbers game so then all you really have to do when you're monetizing them in order to increase your um in order to increase the revenue that's coming in you just have to get more exposure so that could again that could be through like social media that could be through facebook ads instagram ads um there's like so many, all these like different factors, but the 
thing that I keep seeing and the reason why I'm so driven to make sure that um, that artists understand social media the right way is because a lot of a lot of what I see is a lot of artists invest all of their hard-earned money into like growth services or streaming services or playlisting or all these different things that aren't really effective even though they they are selling people are selling them on the want which is like they want more followers it's not necessarily fulfilling the need and the need being like that they actually want to make a sustainable living off their music so people i see this all the time artists get scammed on a daily basis and it's because there's no proper education or knowledge behind the subject hmm. so is that like a quick fix versus long-term. I mean, you are speaking about a long-term gain by um, you're developing um, interests of um, real fans, uh, people who are going to go to your shows, or if they're not close, they're going to do a live stream or support you some other way. Um, right. Right. Instead of this 10,000 um, followers, you know, yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> right. Because, it's it's um it's like a sugar high maybe <laughs> so to speak right um yeah so i've been trying to immerse myself into this area and um you know i tried a few things out earlier this year but for the well and uh, you know i'm not even performing right now so for a performing musician i mean how do you what what are your recommendations um do you build a team do you uh, you know, or hire someone like yourself. Um, maybe you coach people on, um, so to speak, automating or um, how, how do you, what do you recommend for um, performing artists? Uh, how do you recommend for them to go about this? Yeah, that's a really good question. So without, without giving your everything away. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good question. Um, so, one of the biggest things is, or like one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give you is like reverse engineer of figure out what it is you actually want to accomplish and then reverse engineer. A lot of the times people think that they need a manager, but in reality, they don't have anything that needs to be managed or they're just following what people are saying that they should be getting. Um, and everybody has different goals. So if you can just be super clear on who that end goal or what that end goal is, then you can dissect, okay, maybe I need a graphics team or maybe I need a, a videographer or maybe um, so many people are always talking about visuals, right? Maybe you need someone to help you with visuals. But I think before you even start diving into that, you should first figure out who your audience actually is. And once, because everything also, it, it costs, right? There's investments for everything. So as you start growing, as you start hiring teams or even start thinking about how am I even going to pay for this team member? Um, you want to have money coming in because once you have money coming in, then you have options. So you want to make sure that you're at least building a fan base that can at least provide enough for you to, to start building and start scaling. And when you're first starting off, there's, and there's mis mixed feelings about this, but, um, but I like to do the way that I like to do things is when you're just starting off, you want to, you want to give it a try at all the aspects, right? Because right now, and you probably feel this way that you're like, you're an entrepreneur. It's not, you're, you're not just like a performing artist. You're actually an entrepreneur. This is your business, this is your brand. You want to build that brand loyalty so that 
if something were to happen, whether good or bad or whatever, you want to have like the, the crazy fanatics kind of like Britney's, Britney's fans, right? Where they're like, it's, what is it, like 2020 and they're still raving about her. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you go on her page, there's this whole like free Britney thing going on and that's a different story. But But you can like, that's what you want. You want that brand loyalty that stands the test of time. So when you're building this fan base, when you're building this like culture and all of that, um, just having clarity on who the audience is and then monetizing that, that's going to help you then scale and, and build. And, and uh, oh, and back to what I was saying also is like, you want to test everything first, right? A lot of the times people just go straight off the bat. They're like, all right, I'm going to hire this digital marketer. I'm going to hire this person or this person. But until you don't figure out your organic processes and your organic methods and all that, you're always going to be guessing and testing what works for other people. And like, I'm not saying like reinvent the wheel, but at least give it a try. Because if you try and you succeed, then you can replicate and you can delegate and you can create that standard operating procedure. So how are we going to grow your social media account? You have a proven method, right? Because it generated you five followers. Now you know (laughs) that you you don't have to do this anymore. Now, Now you can outsource. And how are we going to release your music? Well, instead of guessing or going by other people's statistics, you can actually try, try different methods, what works for you, and then you know that works, that's your standard operating procedure. So when it's th- when you start building a team and thinking about that growth, you want to make sure that everything is proven by you first before investing a lot of money into it. Well, I think, um, I think I'd like to talk to you about the A&R aspect, and maybe we could do another chat. Sure. Like today, I want to focus on social media, but um, it just brought up. I, you know, when you were speaking, I just brought some other questions up, but I'm not going to ask them right now. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah, this is all great information. Um, how about, okay, so f- me, for instance, like, or or an artist like me, um, you have a couple of things you mentioned. One was like uh, music release um, and um and then proven methods like for gaining followers. So, you know, when I first started, I like, I kind of like Instagram uh, the best right now. Uh, I also like uh, LinkedIn a little bit because I've made some connections there. Um, you and I met through another group, but I did contact you through uh, LinkedIn. Yes. And um, we messaged each other through there. Um, but LinkedIn, I mean, it has some great resources. Uh, you know, links, um, like I, I'm in touch with, um, like a, a major artist there. And I've, I don't think we messaged, but we kind of have made uh, comments and this and that. Um, so, uh, you know, I feel comfortable about reaching out sometime and saying, hi, uh, you know, I like really like this or whatever, really like your last cut. Um, so as a, as an artist, you know, how much music, and, and I'm not asking you for, you know, the, um, you know, the best answer, but just a general um, answer. I, I notice a lot of people are constantly on, you know, they feel like they're getting exposure by performing and releasing this and releasing that. And I kind of see that as like, that's kind of overdone, in my opinion. Um, it seemed to me that there'd be some kind of balance. Um, and, um, so how often this might be an A&R question actually, but (laughs) let's say for social media, how often 
do you need to um, reach out with new music? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so for music, I would do like, at least I would do once a month if possible. Once a month. Um, so then at the end of the year, you have 12, which is equivalent to a song, uh, to an album. Um, you don't really want to get into the whole, unless you have like a, a more engaged fan base or a, as long as you understand like social media, you're applying social media tactics correctly, then you could do the rust strategy, which is like, you know, the 52 and 52, but um uh, which is basically like 52 songs in 52 weeks. And at the end of the year, you have all that. But I think as long as you're doing like once a month, you're providing consistent content. Even if you were to do like once a quarter, you want to make sure that whatever it is you're doing, you are being consistent with it. People know when to expect it. Um, even if you're doing like once every two months, right? That still gives you that one month pre-release, one month post-release. Um, and then you have like consistent music coming out. So that's kind of like the habit you want to get into is whatever like consistency that you can find, whatever um, works for you. And also your audience, you always have to listen to your, to your fans. What do they want? So whenever you start growing like your audience, you always ask them first, like, you know, what it is that you want from me? What do you guys want to hear from me? If I were to like release merch, whatever it is, ask them because they will tell you and that will be your fastest road to success um but that answer varies for everyone <laughs> it really just depends yeah. on your on on your core like values on what it is you actually want to do your goals and also your fan base so um but i mean um you probably could do <clears throat> like release a song but maybe do something live um that's what i was thinking some people just put up ideas hey this is what i'm working on right now which i'm not a big fan of because I don't want to tell anybody what I'm working on until I finish it. Um, and what else was that? Um, what else? Uh, it escaped me, <laughs> but um, I went a little too far with that. But Yeah. So I think, um, yeah. So moderation, but listening to your fans is what you're saying. Like, um, so my, my follow-up question is, okay, so we maybe covered some of the music, um, mu you know, music possibilities. Um, what are other engagements? Uh, so like, I just posted some things about, um, cause I had to have a, I've had a health issue for the past two years that I'm trying to recover from. And uh, I made some progress. So a few times I posted that, something about that. Hey, you know, I'm doing better and, most of the people that actually know me, you know, are interested, but I'm not sure that, um, um, you know, somebody who I, I never met in person, um, don't have that investment in me. So, um, what are some of the types of things like how personal can you get or do you, or should you get personal once in a while, like once a month or. Absolutely. I actually love this question. <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the best things that you can do is be like multifaceted on social media because we are all multifaceted. We're humans, right? We have our likes, our dislikes. And the more relatable you can be, the more your fans are going to connect. And it could be like the smallest thing. Like, for example, it could be like the painting behind you or like the hat that you're wearing and someone would be like, Oh yeah, I have that hat or like, Oh yeah, cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be like the, the, the simplest thing. And, um, 
And that's what, like, that's that's where you want to drive um, the relatability and, like, mm. also the accessibility. So you don't have to be, like, super open about your life. But one of the ways that you can do it, um, and here's, like, an actionable tip. So there's this um, lady that she created this thing called the JK5 method. Um, it stands for her name, Jenna Kutchner 5. Oh, and Jenna essentially, Kutcher, yeah. like, yeah, it's essentially just like five pillars. So pick out five pillars that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. That way you're, it doesn't become more like content creation. It's more like documentation. So for example, one of your pillars would definitely be music. Um, another pillar, it could be like maybe the whole podcasting section could be a, a whole thing. Yeah. And, um, and basically what it is, is as you live your day-to-day, you have these like five pillars that you're going to be you, you want to share with people, right? It could be family, it could be um, pets, whatever it is, whatever you're doing on a day-to-day basis, you have these five categories. So on your phone, you create these five folders of five categories. So if you love to travel, for example, that would be like your hobby category, right? So it would be like travel and adventure and hiking and all these things. And um, and as you're like living your, your day-to-day life, you're collecting all this content. So then all you really have to do is once a week or a couple times a week or whatever your schedule looks like, you just go and schedule out your content and it's multifaceted. You see like your hobbies, you see your likes, your dislikes, what it is you're doing outside of music, what it is you're doing, I don't know, in your morning routine, whatever. It, it could be like the slightest thing that will drive that fan engagement. It will drive that relatability. And the okay. more relatable you are, the better it is for engagement. You are giving guidance about how to do it um how much time is it going to take an artist to um keep up with their social media um campaign or just engagement so if you're doing like the jk5 you are just snapping pictures of your day-to-day um if you are then scheduling it out for like the whole week or the whole month yeah it, it shouldn't take you more than like two to three hours um a week if you were to like schedule out you know maybe at most it'll take you like two hours on the weekend the way that i do it for example is i i collect all the content and then on like sunday i plan out for like the whole week or as much as i can fit in in like two hours and um and like just this past sunday i was able to fit in like two and a half weeks of content so now it's all automated i don't have to worry about it and it's going through a social media planner so i'm not necessarily using any of these fake methods of like like or buying or anything like that um i'm just using the traditional schedule the post put hashtags on it and the hashtags will drive in the traffic and um and then another engagement tip too is as soon as you get a comment make sure you comment right away as soon as possible comment and then um like like the 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 comment comment back whatever it is that way you are engaging right off the bat and that's going to make them feel like a little bit special they're going to come back the next time you comment and your engagement is just going to start like growing yeah i really appreciate you giving me your time here and um i hope we can speak again uh, i'd like to follow up with some a and r stuff uh strictly a and r and awesome. um so have a great day sounds good thank you Pat. We'll, we'll talk to you soon <laughs> thanks take care for more information about isabella bedoya and fame hackers you can go to famehackers.com or search for fame hackers on instagram and also on the web 
for Pat Foran. You can look up Pat Foran Music on the web or go to patforanmusic.com. You can find me on Instagram, pat.foran, and also on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap with Pat Foran.